And as we are traveling through this book entitled Second Kings, we find ourselves tonight in chapter 16. We're just going to jump right in here. In the 17th year, uh, and that is not Pikachu, the son of Romalia, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. And he is unusual, like a few others down south, for one reason here. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. The last four kings of Judah did something that was right in the sight of the Lord. That's kind of the history down south, certainly up north, that they never do anything right. But Ahaz here doesn't follow suit. He's special. Ahaz, Ahaz was probably the most wicked king of all the kings of Judah. Look at what it says here. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, northern ten tribes. Indeed, he made his son. Could you imagine doing this, parents? Indeed, he made his son. And just keep in mind, Judaism is the only religion that God is into. Okay, that's it. They're supposed to show the rest of the world how to worship God. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. It's not to get a suntan. It's to burn him up. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. You know, the, the, the Baals, the God of Baal would do this. I mean, could you imagine placing your child on a brazen altar and watching him sizzle to death? I mean, that's why God was wiping out these nations before them in the first place. But in these days, child sacrifices was becoming all too common of a thing among, among them. Babies would be sacrificed to the gods of Baal and Molech. It was a pagan custom. It was an abomination to God. And now we find the king of Judah following these pagan practices in 2 Kings chapter 16. And verse 4, and he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Romalia, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make wars. And here's what you need to understand. They want to win so they can get Judah to then join them as they seek to battle against Assyria, which is up north, evading coming south. And so here they come to seeking to uh, win them. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. So they didn't conquer Jerusalem. They conquered some of the cities of Judah. Then the Edenites went to Elath and dwelt there to this day. And I add, at least according to the writing of this day, they were still there. If you read 2 Chronicles 28, you will see that Judah had a large number of casualties in this battle. It was in the hundreds of thousands. And yet God had his man here to, you know, in a sense, battle him back. And if you read again Isaiah 7 or 2 Chronicles 28, you will find a lot of info of what's going on here. <coughs> So Ahaz, verse 7, sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I'm your servant and your son. I mean, now look, look, you're, 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 you're reigning in where King David used to reign. And so rather than looking up to the Lord, and this is common in Christianity today, you find yourself backed into a corner or someplace where you shouldn't be. And rather than looking up to the Lord God Almighty, you look this way. Let me ask the gods of this age what I should do. That's what he's doing. These are sad times. He's going to surrender to another king to become a captive of another. He's using worldly methods rather than looking to the Lord. I'm your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. I mean, do you see the invite? Keep in mind. These same people, the Assyrians, have been wiping out northern Israel, and now you're inviting him to come and be part of your team so you can take out northern Israel, who the Assyrians want, and Syria. 
And so Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord, totally trusting worldly methods rather than looking up and trusting the Lord. And it's easy to do today as believers. And in the treasuries of the king's house, and he sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. Man, this is so un-David-like. David would have looked up and said, Lord, how do we battle? This guy looks within and says, well, we're not going to win as he surveyed his troops. So the king of Assyria heeded him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried his people captive to Kerr and killed Reza. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet this king of Assyria, and he saw an altar that was at Damascus. Okay, now please remember, you got to be a Jewish man or a woman here. The only place to worship was in Jerusalem. That was it. That was God's prescribed method. And yet here this King Ahaz, he, he goes up to Assyria and he sees this new altar or he sees the latest trend on how to worship God. Wow, this will really work. People will get really excited about this new way to worship God. And it's happening in our world today, church. It's happening in the church. Like it's happening in epidemic proportions where millions of Christians in America and probably, I don't know, hundreds of millions around the world are following these teachers that are the latest trends of Christianity today. But when you listen to their messages, they are so far from where they need to be. But nobody's checking them. Wow, wow, this guy's awesome. Yeah, he's telling you what you want to hear. He's tickling your ear. But he sees this altar here. Man, this is the, the latest trend. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest. Of course, the priests are all corrupt at this time down in, in Jerusalem. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the design of this new altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. Then Uriah the priest said, no way, man, I'm not going to do that. That's not what he says. Uriah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before King Ahaz came back from Damascus. They got this whole new altar made up. I want you to keep in mind, when the original altar was built at God's design, they were made out of natural rocks, nothing fancy. Remember, God didn't want any work of man involved in the building of his altar. This altar, though, this is going to evolve around man's handiwork. God wanted himself to be the focal point, not the altar, and this Man's handiwork is going to be the focal point of their worship. Welcome to the church today. Ahaz, the ungodly king, sees this ornate altar and says, Man, this is so much better than what we have. It's so beautiful. The people are going to love it. We need new gimmicks and tools of worship today to worship the same old God of Israel. No, we don't. But see, welcome to the church age today. This is what's happening. It's happening. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar that the priest had made, and the king approached the altar, and he made offerings on it. What's wrong with that? He's not a priest. The king is taking over the priestly duties, but why not? He's already made, had the altar designed for him. So he burned his burnt offering and his grain offering, and he poured his drink offering and sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord. Now, before I read that, I should have read that. Notice he's doing Judith, he, notice he's doing um, prescribed practices in the Old Testament on the new altar. So he hasn't totally wiped out the God's way. No, he's blending God's way with the new way. That's what's happening in the church today. They're blending the new way, the new thought, the new way to believe with the old way. And people are buying it. They're running after it. I mean, it is so 2 Timothy 3 and 4. It's funny. If people read their Bibles, they go, oh man, this is it. We're here, but they're not. Some young guy, he, he sent me it last night, I think. I never looked at it. 
He goes, how can you inspire me to read the Bible? I want to be used by the Lord. I said, just start reading it. Wow, that's complicated. <laughs> you know, but he, I, I haven't looked at his replies. He's probably sleeping, maybe not, but I'm sure it's going to be, wow, okay. But that, that's but that's a revolution in the church today. Just read it. They don't want you to read it. It's like back in the 1500s when when uh, William Tind no. Tyndale? William Tyndale wanted to bring the Latin Vulgate into the English language so the common people could hear it. Well, the, the church didn't want that then. Man, people will read it and they'll do some corruptible things. No, they'll read it and find out how corrupt the church was. And he did. Of course, he got burned at the stake for it. But we have our English Bibles today because of that. As he brought and translated Latin Vulgate into the English, he made it so the common plowman could read. That's what needs to happen in the church today. People read their Bibles and go, that's not true. That's false. That's twisted. Those guys are cults. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord, from the front of the temple. So he's taking something that was established by God in, this, in God's place, and he brought it from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and he put it on the north side of the new altar. So do you see what's happening here? God's way is being pushed aside. This is prophetic for us today because this is what's happening in the church. God's way is being pushed aside and the new improved way is getting center stage and the church is sitting there going, yep, yep, that's us. I'm not talking about the false church today. I'm talking about us. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go out and preach against these guys. Paul does. He did name some names. But I am going to challenge people to continually be reading your Bibles. And then your friends, when they say, hey, have you heard about this guy? Which happened to us while we were sitting in a hot tub. Hey, have you heard of this guy? And I didn't say anything at the time until something else was said. I said, well, you should read your Bible and see what he says because he has some really bad doctrine. But you'll never discover it unless you become a Berean and search out the scriptures to find out if what you're hearing is true. And what did they have to search out to find out if what Paul was saying was true? The, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. That's all they had. Remember when Jesus is on the road to uh, Emmaus with the two guys, they're, they're, they're kicking the dirt, they're sad, they believe they've lost, and Jesus comes along and says, man, why are you so sad? And it's like, man, we lost. Our man, he died. And it says, Jesus, beginning from the Old Testament, he taught them. Beginning with the Hebrew Scriptures, he taught them about himself. And they were so excited once they realized who he was. But this is what they're doing. The old ways are just that. They're the old ways. We need something new and happening and trendy. No, we need new experiences with the old word of God. That's what you and I need. And we need them that way every day. We don't need new experiences with new ways to worship God. No, that will get weird. It always has. But this is what's happening here. This is what's happening now. Then King Ahaz, the political leader of the day, commanded Uriah the priest. He should have said no. He was the spiritual leader of the day saying, on the great new altar, burn the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt sacrifice, and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. Do you see, he's doing exactly what Jeroboam did up north with the golden cows. He's created this new altar, and now this is where we're going to do it. And the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Oh, boy. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. That's what he did. Why? Because he was just as corrupt as everyone else. And King, excuse me, King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts. And those panels were put in there where they would do the washings. As he removes the old ways to make room for the new, improved ways, and team, this is happening all around our world today. 
and he removed the labors from them, and he took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it, and he put it on a pavement of stone. So he just he's moving out God's things, so there's more room for his things. Also, he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. Hey, so now you have the pagan king telling the corrupt pagan Judah, Jewish king on how to worship. Well, that doesn't happen today, Pastor. Yeah, it does. Marketing directors and trendsetters and all this stuff telling the church how to worship, and church has now become a business. Here's how you're going to get the people in. Do these things. Do that thing. Corrupt temple worship is now virtually non-existent. The bottom line of all of this is worship has now become a business. Just like it has become here. Tailoring to the needs of the individuals and giving them what they want. You see, the reason this is happening is King Ahaz has zero relationship with the Lord God. He continually did what was right in his own eyes. And so he trusted his ways as the better way of the, rather than what the Lord God had established. And that's what's happening. When you got these guys up there that are preaching in the millions, saying this stuff that is absolutely not biblical, creating new truth, that's what this guy did. Hey, just believe the new truth. And look, it's not complicated. All you got to do is know 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You know, Paul says, hey, this is the gospel. Go read the book of Galatians. Paul says, if anyone brings you a gospel other than the one in which I preach, which one did he preach? It's found in 1 Corinthians 16. It's, he says, let them be cut off. Let them become eunuchs. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents. Okay? They wanted them circumcised. And, and it's like Paul saying, no, no, go all the way, man. Just cut it all off. It was important back then. The heresy people were there. They are here today. So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. So Ahaz, one of the, most, one of the worst kings of Judah, is immediately followed by Hezekiah, one of the better kings of Judah. Why is that? Same dad, different moms. We know that Isaiah was the prophet to both of these kings. So why does one turn out good and the other one turn out bad? One reason and one reason only. The heart. The heart. One simply believed and trusted God. The other one was caught up in the things of the world and trusted the things of the world. One had deep roots in heaven. And this is critical for you and me. One had his roots deep in heaven, at least for most of his life. And thus for you and I, it's to have deep roots and to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, he who abides in me, we can do anything. But if you don't, you can't do anything. The other had their roots deep in the earth and the world's ways. So the moral of the story is whatever you're plugged into, that's what you're going to become. If you're plugged into the world right now, and then 20 years from now, you go, what happened? I can tell you what happened. You weren't plugged into Jesus. It's not complicated. Whatever you're plugged into is what you become. Plug into the world, you'll become like that. Jesus will give you what you want. Plugged into him, you'll become like him. Why? Because he'll give you what you want. He's not going to violate your free will. If you're plugged into the world, he's not going to force you to be plugged into him. He'll just let you have what you want. It's important we understand that. Chapter 17. More of what's happening up north. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, so we're like 730 B.C., according to Mr. Haley, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. <gasps> oh, that's a shocker. No, they, that's all they did up there. Evil, evil, evil. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. So he was just a little better. Shammazizer, king of Assyria, came up against him. Notice it's a different king. Yeah, because the old one passed away. That's why the king of Judah thought he could whip him, but he didn't. So this is the new king of Assyria. Came up against him, and Hoshea became his vassal. You are a vassal to whoever you serve. You know what a vassal is? It's a vessel. <laughs> 
you know, something you put flowers in, something you eat your cereal in, that's a smaller vassal. And he became his vassal and paid him tribute money. So Hoshea becomes the servant to Assyria and gives him tax money so he can remain king up north. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea. See, he thought he found a weakness because of this change of king in Assyria, but he thought wrong. For he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up. And that doesn't mean, like, put tape over his mouth. No, that means he locked him up and bound him in prison. Hey, you're not going to pay my taxes? You're not going to be that vassal to send me the tax money? Hey, then you get jail time. You know, that's kind of like the tax man. He comes, you don't pay, eh, you're going to go to jail. Now, the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. And this is like a totally sad time in the history of Israel, right here. Assyria is going to be the instrument that God uses to bring judgment upon his people. Why? Because Israel would not. Because they wouldn't walk with God. God says, look, if you don't walk with me, then you're going to receive the curses. If you walk with me, you're going to receive the blessings. Well, they haven't. They haven't for the last almost 200 years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria. Please remember, because the Lord God allowed them. It's not all of a sudden Assyria has become strong. No. And carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Halah and by the Habor, the river of Gozen, and in the cities of the Medes. So the whole northern kingdom. Ten of the twelve tribes in Israel, they have totally vanished off the scene. Please, be a Jewish man living down in Jerusalem. Hey, well, what happened to the ten tribes up there? They're not there no more. I mean, don't you think that would get your attention? It's like, well, what happened? Well, I don't know. I think the king of Assyria carried them all away. Yeah, yes. 200 years from Solomon, 19 kings later, and those up north, they're all gone. And here's why God moved Israel to a foreign nation. Verse 7, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up. Okay, notice, sin, kind of a key word. That was their problem. And then here's another thing, who had brought them up. God had brought them up into the promised land to inherit the promised land. But rather than inheriting the promised land, the promised land inherited them. So you and I live in a world today. And we are to live in the world, but not be of the world. Now, if you are of the world, the world is going to inherit you. And I can guarantee you that's not going to be a good thing. No, we're to be in this world, but not of the world, and we're to be impacting the world. And if you're not impacting the world, then I can guarantee you the world is impacting you. It's just, it's just natural. It's going to supernaturally, naturally just happen. But God brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods. Notice that. And had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God. Can you ever do secretly things against God? No. Come on. Certainly, he can't see everything all at the same time. I mean, how is that possible? He created the universe just by saying, let there be light. Boom, let there be trees. Boom, let there be plants. Boom. So he certainly can't see everything all at the same time, can he? I mean, come on, he created a big fish for Jonah to jump into it. So he can't do this, can he? Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And here's what they did. They built for themselves high places and all their cities. Again, this is the northern tribes of Israel. High places for them to go up and worship. So much of it centered around sexual immorality. What is just like slamming you if you watch movie, TVs, whatever on TV anymore? What is just slamming all that stuff? Sexual. It's sexual immorality. You can't turn it on. If you if you go, yeah, I can, then you're not watching it and it's got a hold of you. And then if you, you know, I don't know. If, if God says it's not good to participate in it, then I don't think it's good for us to watch it. I don't know. I'm not going to be a legalist here. But you figure it out. If God says don't do these things, then is it okay if you watch these things? Well, if you watch these things, I guarantee you eventually you will do them. Just whatever you sow, that's what you're going to read. 
Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right, and they built for themselves high places in all their cities, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves. Key word. They. Themselves. They're, they are now building the new church. They're now building the new way to worship. Please take notice of that. They set up for themselves new sacred pillars and new wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. And again, so much of it evolved. So much of the pagan worship revolved around sexual immorality. That's why it was so popular. I mean, God made us as central creatures, but not to be immoral. They burned there they burn incense on all the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. So again, remember God told them, when you come into the land, wipe them all out. Don't let them remain because if they remain, they are going to corrupt you. Well, that's what happened. They didn't wipe them out. They joined them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger, for they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. And they became like who they lived around. That's why they, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think it's verse 43, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And if you hang out with bad people without influencing them, they're going to corrupt you. But if you are the salt and light to them, it, you're going to bug them. I can guarantee that. I can't. These guys here, they broke the second commandment. For starters, they are worshiping other gods. They committed spiritual adultery in joining themselves to the gods of this land. And if you want to serve these worthless idols, then I believe God says, go ahead, serve them. Because God will let those you worship be the ones that then protect you. And yet even in this judgment, this is this is the amazing picture of our God. God had mercy on them. In the midst of this incredible judgment where they're being carried away, God sent his men, the prophets, to speak to him. Look at verse 13. Yet the Lord, because of his great love for his people, testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets, every seer, everyone, had a consistent message spoken differently because each man is different, saying, and please take notice of all this. All of God's men saying the exact same things, just in different ways is God's heart, but they rejected them all. So listen, when you're somewhere and they're rejecting you, listen, don't feel bad when you're rejected because they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus in you. So if you feel bad when you're rejected, please, you're looking at the wrong person. You're looking at yourself. You're making life about you. With the, oh, they rejected me. Oh, life's all about me right now. No, don't do that. When they reject you, look up and realize they're rejecting Jesus and smile and just keep on moving. But if you don't look up, you're going to, oh, man, they're rejecting me. Oh, man, I'm, life's a bummer. No, you're self-centered right now. Just look up and realize, oh, no, no, they re rejected Jesus who you represent. So don't feel bad about those things. Feel sad because they don't maybe recognize who Jesus is, but man, don't take it personal because it's not you they're rejecting. It's Jesus. Every seer they rejected saying, and here was their message, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I command your father, commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. See, the Lord God wanted them to repent. They were so far away, removed from where God wanted them, he still wants them to repent. I like this look. Man, that means no matter how far away I can travel, God's still there wanting me to repent. It's not like, oh, well, you blew it now, you're done. You might as well just go out and live in the world. You're never going to get in the rapture. No, those are lies from the devil. No, the Bible is very clear that if I confess my sin to God, if I see my sin the same way God does, that he is faithful, and I confess it to him, he is faithful and just to not only forgive me, but cleanse that poison out of my heart that caused me to do it in the first place. That will never change. That's the God of the Bible. The Lord God wanted him to repent. 
hey, you don't like what this one said? Well, that's okay. I'll, I'll send you a different man. I've got many godly men. And God just kept sending them up. Here, here for proof of this, turn to Hosea chapter 14. It's uh, towards the end of your Bible. You, you go past the big books, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or vice versa, and then Daniel, and Hosea is right after Daniel. How do I know that? Because I cheated and looked. <laughs> Hosea 14. He was one of the prophets that God sent to Israel in speaking judgment against them. But also in chapter 14, so you're going to have to read all of Hosea, of what he came and said to them. But here in chapter 14, we find the prophet calling them to come back. Look what it says there. Hosea 14.1. Everybody got it? Yeah. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. And the whole chapter reads this way. I mean, they didn't have, they had zero going for them other than the fact that they were Jews. That's all they had going for them. They were Jewish. I mean, they were pagan to the core and God still turns to them. That's why when we read in the Bible that God does not delight in the death of the wicked, yeah, it's absolutely true. Here's a picture of that. He's calling them to come back. It's the heart of God here. God is always leaving the door open for repentance. Back to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 14. Nevertheless, even though God sent his men, nevertheless, they would not hear. Because that's you have to hear. See, if I don't hear... I can't turn. If I don't turn, then I'm still the master of my life. But if I hear, because I did at salvation, and so did you. I heard at salvation. And as I heard, I turned, and there was Jesus. But you got to turn. You got to take yourself off the throne and allow Jesus to be on the throne. Nevertheless, they would not hear, but they stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that sure sounds familiar to me when I drop it in the New Testament, specifically in Acts chapter 7 and 8. Stephen used very similar words on his Jewish accusers just before they stoned him. This is what he, this is what he said. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And they stoned him, and he went right up into glory. Matter of fact, he saw Jesus. And my dad, passing off into heaven, was one of the most peaceful things I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing. I mean, it was beyond amazing. My, my prayer that I sent out, and it traveled all the way around the world, was, Lord, if you're going to take my dad, take him peacefully and quickly. So I get up there Thursday, 11 a.m., he... They take him to the hospital Wednesday. I get up there Thursday, 11 a.m. My dad is still here, and he hasn't opened his eyes in the last 24 hours. But, you know, when I started talking, he grabbed my hand. And so I knew he could hear me because he was listening to what I said. Christina wrote a letter. I read it to him. I read him Psalm 23. I started reminding him about his decision for Christ, that Jesus was going to take him. And, and uh, that was about... I got there at 11, so that's probably like 12.30. We, we put him in the hospice about 4 o'clock. 8.30 the next morning, he was gone. And I'll tell you what, that's the way I want to go. If it's not preaching in the pulpit, boom, what happened to him? I don't know, but don't revive him. <laughs> uh, he had been at my brother's Easter Sunday, walked, walked to the top of the hill with the grandkids and everybody. Coherent Monday, coherent Tuesday, Wednesday, didn't wake up. But he was awake. He just couldn't open his eyes. God was already in the process of taking him home. And so it is. Friday morning, I slept all night there. My mom comes in about 6.30. They rearranged him at 5.30. And I noticed, wow, he's breathing a lot easier now. You know, he was on his way out. Looking back on it, he was already on his way home. And so my, my mom walked in. I said, yeah, they moved him around at 5.30. He's breathing a lot easier now. And my mom's old boss walked in. and I met him. About 8.30, I sat back down, and I'm watching my dad. I'm going, hey, he just stopped breathing. And so I'm going, well, yeah, that happens when people are on the verge of passing in their eternity. They may stop, and they reboot. So I watched for a couple minutes. My mom's talking to her, her, her old boss. You know, they're just having, you know, reminiscing. And I'm watching my dad go, he's gone. 
So I slide out of the room. Nobody even notices me. I go to the nurse's station. I said, hey, I think my dad's coming. They come in. They check. They, I'm looking right at him. My mom's clueless at what's going on. And uh, she shakes, yeah. And I go over and grab my mom and say, hey, dad's gone. That's how peaceful it was. Now, that's a total answer to God's prayer. If you look in the program, I don't know if a guy ever got posted, the obituary. No, it's, it's, on, it's on my Facebook page. My brother wrote the first sentence. Well, he wrote the whole thing, but that first sentence he stole from me. Because that's what I said. You know, first it was, well, he had a stroke and died. That's why he went so quickly. No, no, no. He stepped peacefully into the arms of Jesus. Because that's what we prayed. And when we prayed, God answered. You know, God, if you're going to take him, not heal him. It's pretty amazing. Verse 15, as God replays their history to them, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols. This is all their, their indictment against them. They followed idols, became idolaters. And you know what happens when you file, follow idols? See, we don't call them idols today. We got them everywhere, though. You know, you know what happens when you follow idols? You become empty. And then when you become empty, you know what happens? You become sad inside and emptier inside. So then you need more idol to make you more happy. The problem is the idol never, never lasts till the morning. And then, you got, and then it starts to rust or corrupt or corrode or break down or break up. And, but that's what happens when you follow idols and become idolaters. You, be, you just become empty inside. And they went after the nations who were all around them. I mean, God's, this is God's attack. You guys were doing the things, the very things I told you to kick out and, and destroy them. And they went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves a molded image and two, two calves. This is all pointing to the north. Remember when Jeroboam, first king after Solomon, made the two golden calves so people wouldn't go down to Jerusalem? Man, if they go down to Jerusalem and worship, they may never come back. Oh, God forbid they come back and worship idols. But this is, this is God's indictment upon them now at the end of the northern kingdom. And he made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. As they became like those, the Lord God had told them to utterly wipe out. They became like them. Why? Because they hung out with them. This should concern you and me. I think it should. Who you, become, who you hang out with is who you become like. It's critical. Nobody get. You know, that's why the Bible says, do not be deceived. It's critical. So what's the purpose of history? What's the purpose of history? Just think of your own personal history. What's the purpose of your own personal history? To learn from it, so you don't repeat those same things. These were God's chosen people, certainly not chosen because they loved God. No, look at their actions here. You and I, we want to learn from this. I mean, we want to learn from their actions and realize in our hearts that that could be us. This could be any of us. To sit here and go, oh, those poor Jewish people, man, they are so ungodly. You might want to look at a mirror quick before you continue on that judgment roll and get that old log out. This could be any of us. So we, got, we, got, we want to observe their history here, and then we, we want to guard our own hearts so we don't become history. What are you talking about? Well, just go read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about Paul's gospel. Read the first little line just before he gets into it. Wow, really, Pastor? Yeah, it's there. You know, the surest way to stay where you need to stay is to stay current in your relationship with Jesus. If you're current in your relationship with Jesus, you have nothing to worry about. You don't. But if you go, well, I'll pass today. Yeah, I'll pass this. Well, it's already been a week. What's a, I'm doing good. I'll pass two weeks and three weeks and three weeks become six weeks and six weeks become a year. And you go, well, I'm still doing okay. No, you're in the process of being set up. Verse 17, they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. They practiced witchcraft and soothsaying. They sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And remember that passage you read in Hosea 14? And God was still willing to forgive them. But this is a sad day in Israel here. But this is what happens when Jesus isn't fulfilling your life. You have to go out other, after other things to fulfill your life. Me and Mike, we know this person 
long time ago, we sought to talk to their parents about them. They wouldn't listen. That person is now a lesbian. And we can't force people. All we can do is say, hey, look, this is the route. We can see it. We've seen it before. Sad. Why? Because you start hanging out with the wrong people and the wrong crowd, listening to the wrong things, and no one is there to sit there and say, hey, come on, come on back. When he isn't the one you're living for, you will naturally go after strange things. And that's what's happening in our world today. They've suppressed the truth, and people are just going after strange things. I'm going to go after these things, and I'm going to go after these things, and other people are going to go after these things, and then these people are going to go after the God of money, and these are going to go after this thing. And But, but that's not unnatural. That's natural. What you and I need to understand, we are wired that way to be filled and fulfilled. I mean, we are a creation that is subject to our hearts being fulfilled. God, is, God has created us with this emptiness in us that we would long for him. But if we don't allow him to fulfill that, we are going to fulfill it with other things. It's just going to happen. and It'll be very natural. But listen, if it's not Jesus, it won't be supernatural. It'll just be natural. I mean, we are a creation that is subject to having our hearts fulfilled. And if it's not Jesus, the devil and his demons are more than happy to come along and provide alternative choices. And so we got to guard our hearts from the traps of this world, team. They are so seductive and they are slick and innocent, it seems. But when mankind turned their backs on God and was destroying new life, it was now time for God to act. Welcome to our world where 50 some odd million babies have been a Aborted since 1973. Verse 18. Therefore the Lord was angry with Israel. And he removed them from his sight. I add. Only for a season. Because God's grace will be sufficient again. 70 plus years from now. And he removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah. Of course many people will die. In these foreign lands. Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. I mean, wouldn't you think this would be a big wake-up call for Judah? I, I don't know. Maybe you're the youngest and you watch your older siblings and you go, okay, well, I'm not doing that, man. That is not working for them. But then all of a sudden you go, well, I'll just kind of follow the suit. It wasn't a wake-up call for Judah as they watched the 10 northern tribes of Israel being carried away. I mean, wouldn't you think that 9-11 would be a huge wake-up call for America? It was for three months. The, the drunk got sober, the drug addict got clean, the immoral person moved out, and then three months later, oh, well, I guess Jesus ain't coming. They went, everybody went right back to their thing. Think of all that has happened in our lives over the last 17 years since 9-11. I mean, think of everything that's happened in our lives. School shootings and, uh, and workplace shootings is so common. It's like, yeah, okay, there's another one. I mean, just think about it. All these things should be like huge wake-up calls for us to be on high alert. Verse 20, And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of the plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebuchadnezzar. When they made Jeroboam the son of Nebuchadnezzar king, then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. Back in 1 Kings 11, the prophet went to Jeroboam when he'd done this. Or before he'd done this. Solomon's servant, uh, the prophet went to him because, uh, um, because of Solomon's rebellion towards God. And God's man went to Jeroboam and said, hey, because Solomon has rebelled against my ways, hey, I'm going to give you 10 tribes, Jeroboam, but walk in my ways. Be faithful. So the prophet, remember, he took his garment, ripped it up in 12 pieces, and said, here, you take 10. And what did he do? He, he, he squandered it. Well, the Lord God has been patient now for the last 250, 300 plus years, give or take a year. And now God's acting after they made those golden cows. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he said by all his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land of Syria as it is to this day. 
God says, you want to serve idols? Okay, here you go. Go to the land of idolatry. You know, the amazing thing is, when Israel comes back into the land 70 plus years later, they're still secular, but they are not serving idols anymore. They learn their lesson. You know, as we've been traveling through Israel's history, there's never been any good thing that has ever come and come out of the northern kingdom. Ever since Jeroboam received the ten tribes and introduced the worship of, of golden calves and Baal worship, they have never recovered. And since they couldn't recover in their society from their sins and were actually spreading more sin in the land, God has to judge them and destroy them because they are now polluting their own kind. When a nation gets so bad, it's more harm than good. God intervenes and judges them. Go look at church history. Go work at world, go look at world history. It's a lot of history to look at from God's perspective to see this is true. If you look at civilizations and countries through the eyes of God's law and look specifically at those who are not walking with God and now are polluting other people, God lets himself destruct or he destroys them. Look at the entire Roman civilization. It was so wicked and corrupted, it destroyed from the inside out. God just let it decay from the inside and collapse. It wasn't even a shot fired. It just collapsed by itself. Verse 24, Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, uh, those places, Hamath, and from that other place, uh, I can't pronounce, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. This was the Assyrian way of conquering. They would take you from your land, move you hundreds of miles into a different country or different environment to prevent you from an uprising because you'd have to try and figure out how to farm this land and how to get water and how to survive. And that's what they did. They brought someone into Samaria. They weren't, they weren't Jewish. And so now you're trying to figure out how to live in this land and then you're spending too much time trying to figure out the land and survive it. That way you won't rebel against the king. And so it was as they brought these non-Jewish people into Samaria at the beginning of their dwelling there, as these foreign nations got placed in northern Israel, that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. Now, this is interesting to me in so many ways. You know, I know most of us know the passage of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. I know we know that. We need to just not know it, though. We need to we, know it in our mind is like 10%. Owning it in our hearts is 100%. It has to be more than just an intellectual truth. Yeah, the fear of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I know that. It's beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and structure. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, but, yeah, but does it know you? We got to... If, if we study the Bible as an academic assignment only and never as a relationship... We're going to get stuck in the mud all the time. If we just have an intellectual or emotional, sorry, if we just have an emotional walk with God and nothing intellectual, we're never going to grow because we're not going to know which way is right. Yeah, we, we need to use the mind, but we need to use our hearts. We need to experience the truths of God in our hearts. That's why the Bible says that if you can confess through the mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart. That God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. It doesn't say the mind. So we need to not just know these things. We've got to own them in our hearts and in our minds. And the mind is certainly a good starting point, but all truth has to drop into the heart to where we own it and it becomes ours. You know, the grace of God is an excellent motivator for walking with Jesus today. For You know, we don't want to trample over the work of Jesus on the cross, but so is the fear of the Lord. So they spoke to the king of Assyria saying, hey, verse 26, the nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria, they do not know the rituals of the God of the land. It's interesting. Somehow they came to that conclusion. Therefore, this God has sent lions among them. And indeed, they're killing them because they don't know the rituals of the God of the land. It kind of sounds like something a politician would write, doesn't it? Hey, got a problem? We, we need some new ritual instruction here. And then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Send there one of the priests, and that would be an ungodly corrupt priest, whom you brought from there. Let him go and dwell there and teach them their, their corrupt rituals of the God of the land, who, as a worldly way, seek to fix a worldly problem. 
And one of the unknown priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord in his corrupt thinking. Remember, they, they were all corrupted. However, every other nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines and in the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities where they had dwelt. So he might have told them about the fear of the Lord in the best way he knew. I mean, certainly they had already witnessed the lions. They kind of had that down. The problem was they were living in other people's houses that didn't understand the fear of the Lord either. And then the men of Babylon made Sukkoth, Binoth, the men of Kuth made, yeah, I can't pronounce that, the men of that made that, and the Abites made those two places, and this, those people burned their children in fire to that dude and that dude, the gods of the, yep, you read it. So they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. Bottom line, all of those are their man-made gods, yet they feared the Lord. Yet they serve their own gods. Long dash. You know why there's a long dash there? Because welcome to Christianity to you today. Yeah, I fear the Lord, but I'm going to serve my own gods. This is the problem in the church today. Yeah, I fear the Lord, so I get up and come on Sunday morning. Yeah, but then I go home and I serve my own gods. And I'm not saying you are, but if the shoe fits, man, this is you. Look what it says. They feared the Lord, yet they served their gods. Long dash for a good reason. There is so much truth here. You can't fear the Lord and then serve your own way. No, that makes Jesus Christ not the Lord of your life. Yes, fear the Lord, I'm down with that. But he's got to be the master of your life to where you serve him and not your ways. Well, yeah, but I don't like that part of the word of God. Well, that's okay. Just go serve the other God then. Go serve those gods. Go serve the world's gods. But you can't fear the Lord and serve your, the, the gods of this world. It does not work. It didn't work for them. It won't work for you. Yet they feared the Lord, yet served their gods according to the rituals of the nations from whom, among whom they were carried away. But they feared the Lord because of the lions. But they served the master passion of their lives, which was their wicked hearts. Well, pastor, my heart's not wicked. Oh, yeah, it is. Go stand next to God. You remember Jesus says, if you therefore being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? Yeah, you're just as evil as these people. So am I. My heart's just as evil. To somehow think that this flesh, flesh is, has been... Uh, 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 redeemed? No, it's corrupt. That's why it's going to die. The wages of sin is death. This fleshly nature we all live in, it's going to die. It's corrupted. And it wants to serve little gods. But where I meet with the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart? Oh no, he wants me to serve him. Here they serve their own little gods so that they might have feared the Lord but they worshipped him the way they wanted to. Boy, doesn't that sound like today? They feared the Lord, but they want to worship him the way they want to. Well, that's not convenient for me, okay? That's because we don't live in my dad's generation. We don't. Back then, they sacrificed. Everybody sacrificed. The people going to war, sacrificed. The wives that stayed back with their kids, sacrifice. You know, women got factory jobs to make weapons so that their husbands could fight in a war. Everyone sacrificed. Not today, man. I'm an American. I don't sacrifice. Well, okay. We're followers of Jesus Christ and we're supposed to sacrifice every day because he said we are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow him. You have to sacrifice. Have to. You have to. They feared the Lord, and they look what it says. And they worship him the way they wanted to. That's what it says. You can't do that. You can't. But that's where we are today. You know, and, 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 and I don't understand this whole PTSD thing. I don't understand any of that stuff. But I will say this. They didn't have it back then. Because they came back, and they just 
got it together and made life. Now, was there was it back then? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. But all I know is what the world was like back then and what it is today is two different planets. It is. Today, I'm a victim. I got rights. You know, they people should serve me. That's not how it was back in my dad's day and age. It wasn't. It wasn't that way. It wasn't that way probably, I don't know, I don't know, 50 years ago. I don't know, maybe it was. Was it? Well, I guess I was alive. <laughs> 70 years ago. <laughs> but this is a raging epidemic today in our world today, team. People fearing God in their own way, but also worshiping the same God in their own way. And all of these non-Christian religions are being formed today. And that's what they are. They're non-Christian religions. I fear the Lord, but I'm going to worship him my way. Personally, I don't know how we could put a number on it, but I bet you there are thousands and thousands of different plans of man out today that fear the Lord, but worship God their way. Oh, yeah. I love Jesus. I'm just going to live my way, and I'm still getting into heaven. That don't work. That is unbiblical. That's some of these unbiblical teachings today. See, God doesn't allow a man to write the terms on how God should be worshipped because God has already written them. But see, this is the danger in carnal Christianity today. God has written the manual, and there are Christians today in our day and age who are rewriting it on how it can be done, and the church is going, oh man, that guy's great. Man, he's charismatic. He's awesome. He's funny. And those things are fine if they're preaching the truth. But if they're not, and they're tickling people's ears, which is what the Apostle Paul wrote would happen in the last days, then the church has to wake up. Because there's many Christians out there rewriting how it can be done. And that is dangerous territory to travel in. It, it, it was dangerous. I mean, this is the text, and I ain't making this up. It was dangerous for them to live this way in our text tonight. Well, that hasn't changed. That's going to be dangerous today in our day and age. Verse 34. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or their law and commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. Oh, but they did all those things. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. Please notice all three different ideas here. This is for the church today. This is so prophetic for the church today, it's not even funny. This is almost like a Sunday morning message. Him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. People will get up and walk out if you preach that stuff. How do I know that? Because I was in a Calvary chapel and I watched people get up and walk out as he preached that stuff. Just where he was. Verse 37, In the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I've made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods, but the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. All promise here. Stay away from the idols as you fear me. Let me work for you in delivering your enemies from you. And if you've never done that, you're totally missing out. You stay out of it. You look up. You don't take it personal. It's Jesus they're attacking, and you let him work it all out. But these people here, no thanks, God. We, 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 we don't want to put you out. No, we don't want you to fight our battles. No, we'll fight them ourselves. I mean, are, are they crazy? Hey, if someone would do your work for you that could potentially cost you your life, wouldn't you let them? That's not a trick question. If someone could, would do your work for you that could potentially cost you your life, wouldn't you let them? Yeah. But see, this is what sin does. It makes you stupid. Oh, no, we don't want you to fight our battles. God will do it. 
We'll take care of that. You just go take a number somewhere over there. God will get to you eventually. Verse 40, however, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. Also their children and the children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. Why? Because fathers teach their kids how to live. Fathers teachers teach their kids what's important. Even to this time of this writing, it still goes on. Their fathers are teaching them what's important. So sad, team. But we could add, and it still goes on that way today and forever and ever and ever. And again, we may not have brass or golden idols, but idolatry is still rampant in the land these days. And so as we bring this chapter to the close, the northern kingdom, the top ten tribes of Israel, they're gone. All that's left are the poorest of the poor to work the land. Down south, all that's left is Judah because so many of the cities have been broken into and broken down. And so there's Jerusalem and a few cities. That's it. Why? Because they didn't want to walk with God and be blessed and receive the blessings of being in the promised land. Father, we're so thankful for all that you want to do in our lives. And Lord, we want to learn from them here. Lord, we know that the Apostle Paul wrote that these things are written for our examples. And so, Lord, we want to learn.